0: Heavenly Father, we come before you recognising that your word, O God, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens and it has endured through all generations. And so, Lord, we ask that you would send the Holy Spirit to us now and help us to rejoice in your word as we read it together and seek to understand what it teaches us about how to live for your glory and our joy. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well this morning we come to the end of our series in the book of Joel, we've been slowly working through this book of Joel together and we've heard about the devastation that was brought upon the land of Israel uh, through locust plagues, plague after plague of locusts had come through and devoured the land Uh, but we've also seen that the prophet Joel had encouraged the people to repent, to turn to God and experience great blessing from God and then last week we actually looked at the focus turning from the people of Israel to the foreign nations that the Lord was warning the foreign nations about the way that they'd rebelled against him and that they needed to prepare for war against him. If they're going to uh, war against him, then they need to realize that he is going to act and that the Valley of Jehoshaphat, the Valley of decision, the Valley of judgment is coming and they need to be ready for that. And this week, the focus then turns back to the people of Israel and the blessings of God are promised again upon the people of Israel. A time of blessing is to come to the people of Israel, even though they've experienced great devastation in the past, that God has promised that he will bless them in chapter 2, and then he ends the book by promising these blessings in greater detail. And so how do we know that God will bless his people? How do we know that he will bless his people? Well, in verse 18, we see wonderful descriptions about how God will bless his people. We see that the mountains will drip new wine in verse 18, and the hills will flow with milk. Of course, new wine is uh, a a wonderful thing for people to enjoy, uh, whether it's grape juice or fermented grape juice. And, of course, milk is something that people delight in as well. And this is something that the Israelites would have been missing as the locusts have come through and, and devoured every plant matter that is in the place. They would have been missing the wine. They would have been missing the milk. But how is this possible? How is it possible for milk and for wine to come in great abundance? that the hills will flow with milk and that the mountains will drip new wine. Well, it's because there is an abundance of water. Abundance of water is promised to the people of Israel and we see that in verse 18. After it talks about this new wine and the milk, it says in verse 18, all the ravines of Judah will run with water. Why is water significant? Well, water equals grapes, which equals wine. And what else does water equal? Well, water equals grass, which equals cows, which equals milk. And so it is by this abundance of water that the Israelites will experience new wine and that they will experience milk. And what else does this water bring? uh, What else does this water come to? Well, we see it in verse 18. It's not just to produce grapes and to produce grass uh, that produces milk. We see in verse 18, a fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of acacias. What are these acacias? What are acacias? Well, acacias are trees that grow in very barren, dry areas. Uh, you think of even in here in Australia, we have a very well-known acacia plant, acacia tree, and that is the wattle, the Australian wattle, is a form of acacia. And so why does Joel mention acacias here in verse 18? Well, there will be a few reasons, but one is that this valley of acacias which would have been a valley what was known to be barren and dry because basically only acacias would would grow there, is now flowing with water. That water is in such an abundance that it's not only watering the areas where you'd normally have cows grazing, where you'd have grapevines growing, it's also watering areas that are generally fairly dry. The valley of acacias will experience water as well. And so there's this picture of a great blessing of God coming to the land of Israel. But where does this water come from? Where is this water going to flow from? Well, we see in verse 18, it says, A fountain, a spring, will flow out of the Lord's house. There's this fountain that's going to give so much water to the land. And where is it coming from? It's coming from the Lord's house. And this is an image that is given here in Joel chapter... 3, but it's also given in another place in the Bible as well uh, that is uh, very clear on this, that water flowing, image of water flowing from the Lord's house, and that is in Ezekiel chapter 47. Turn with me now because it gives even greater detail than we have in Joel chapter 3 verse 18. It's page 869 if you have a church Bible, page 869, I encourage you to turn to it now, and we'll read a, a fair chunk of Ezekiel chapter 47, which gives another perspective of this Spring of water that flows from the house of the Lord. Chapter 47 of Ezekiel, page 869, 869, and we'll read from verse 1. Verse 1 of Ezekiel, chapter 47, where it says The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. See this image that's given here in Ezekiel of water flowing out from the temple of God. And then verse 3 continues. As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. He asked me, son of man, do you see this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region and goes down into the Arabah where it enters the sea. When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. There will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to Anglam. There will be places for spreading nets. The fish will be of many kinds, like the fish of the great sea. But the swamps and marshes will not become fresh, they will be left for salt. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. Here's another description given by one of God's prophets of this water that flows from the house of the lord that produces great fruit and great blessing so where is this fulfilled this prophecy that is given in ezekiel chapter 47 but also in joel in the book of joel which we've been looking at where is when is this fulfilled where has it been fulfilled well it's clearly not fulfilled today as we go to israel and look for a physical fountain spring that is flowing from the temple of the lord If you go to Israel today, uh, the temple of the Lord is no longer there. There's a wall, the Western Wall is still there. Uh, There is water there, I've been there. Uh, There is water uh, in terms of, uh, they've got taps piping water in so you can wash if you need to before you go up to the, the wall. But there's no stream that's coming from the temple of the Lord. It is not fulfilled in that way with a physical stream coming from the temple of the Lord. So how is it fulfilled? Is there any fulfillment that we can even look at today? Well, there's a number of ways that we could look at this passage of Ezekiel 47, but also of Joel chapter 3, verse 18. And I think one of the most helpful ways for us to look at it is by the way that we can see it is fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the house of God today? What is the temple of the Lord today? Well, we see in the New Testament that the Lord Jesus teaches that the temple of the Lord is Jesus Christ himself. In John chapter two verse twenty-one, we see that the temple he had spoken of—that he would, he would, uh, that they would destroy—but he would raise again in three days. He says that the temple he had spoken of was his body, that is Christ's body, that is the temple of the Lord. But is Jesus the Lord's temple? One who has a spring of water that gives life within him. Well, if we read in John's Gospel further, in chapter 4, when Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman, if you know your, uh, your Gospels and know the book of John very well, you know of that incident where he speaks to this Samaritan woman. And what does he say to her? Everyone who drinks this water, as in the well that's there, Jacob's well, the physical well, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, that well where he met the Samaritan woman. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, a fountain of water, welling up to eternal life. The Lord Jesus says that within him and within his people will be this fountain of life that brings water that gives life. And what is this water? What is this water that comes from Jesus, the temple of the Lord? Well, Jesus tells us in John chapter 7, further in that gospel, that it is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. He says in John chapter 7 verse 37, a passage that we had read for us before. It says, "If anyone is thirsty," this is Jesus talking to the Jews, "if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him." By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. What is this stream of water that comes from the Lord Jesus? It is the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who comes from the Lord Jesus, the temple of the Lord, who flows out to his people. And how does the Holy Spirit flow out to his people? What does he accompany the, 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 uh, this, this water that comes from God? What does it come with? Well, it comes with God's word. If we want to see the Holy Spirit in action, we see it by God's word coming from Jesus through and from God through Jesus by the Spirit to us. After all, what is Scripture? What is the Scriptures that are before us? It is God breathed, Word of God. It is God breathed, God Spirited. The same word that's used for breath is used for the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit's word. That is before us. This is the water of life that comes by the Spirit through the Son from God. So, where is God's Word coming from today? Well, it comes from God through the Son, by the Spirit, to us, but of course, it comes through His church. What is the temple of the Lord after all? The temple of the Lord, I said, is Jesus Himself. But Jesus is not with us today in the way that he was in the past when he said to those people so many years ago that they can destroy the temple of the Lord, but he would raise it again in three days. He was speaking of his body, his physical body, but Jesus is not physically present like he was then. How is Jesus present amongst the world today? It is by his people. We are the body of Christ if we are his people. We are Christ's body. And so there's this wonderful truth that we are the temple of the Lord and so from us flows the Holy Spirit. And so there's this wonderful truth taught, even in the book of uh, Joel, as we unpack it in light of the New Testament, we see that God the Father sends this river of life through Jesus and his people, the church, the Holy Spirit, which gives life to people as they hear the word of God and the Spirit regenerates them as he accompanies that word. So how do we see this today? How do we see John uh, Joel chapter three verse eighteen fulfilled? How do we see Ezekiel forty seven fulfilled? Well, we see the Lord Himself giving life to people through the Son by the Spirit, with the Word through the Church. And how do we see that? How do we see the effects of this today? Well, we can look at Joel chapter three to see the effects of this water that flows from God Himself through His Son by the Spirit. How do we see it in Joel chapter 3? How do we see the effect of it? Well, one way was by acacias getting water. By acacias getting water. Now, what could these acacias look like today? Well, what do acacia, where do acacias grow? Acacias grow in barren, dry areas. And so what are sinners? Sinners, in one sense, are acacias, aren't they? They're acacias. They're growing in barren, dry areas. We live in a sinful world with our own sin and the sin of others around us and that brings great devastation and dryness to our lives but what happens what happens well god sends his spirit by the word through the church to sinful humans and they are watered with the holy spirit they're watered with the holy spirit and so they have life they can have life despite the sinfulness of themselves and the sinfulness of those around them they have life as the word comes to them by the church and they hear the spirit's words and have life and it's interesting that it's the word acacia that is used here in in joel chapter 3 because what were acacias used by god according to the old testament law when god was giving his instructions to moses To build the tabernacle, the tent of meeting where God would meet with his people, and to build the ark, what type of wood did he tell them to use to make the ark of God? It was acacia wood. It was acacia wood that he used for the place where he would dwell, the place where his presence would be in the ark of God. And so why would he do this? there's many different reasons why he might want to use acacia wood, but acacias apparently I don't know about different types of timber but apparently acacia wood is meant to be very valuable for it's a type of hardwood, and so therefore as a hard wood, it is known for its strength and its endurance. And so it would endure well. And so what happens today? Well, acacias are watered by the spirit, and then God takes those acacias, those sinful humans. And he uses them for his dwelling place, for the church, for his body. He lives within them. And so we see as the fountains flow from the Lord's house, this fountain flows with water from the Lord's house to water the valley of Acacias. It is fulfilled in us who know our sinfulness, know our dryness and our barrenness, but we drink of the Holy Spirit and God in his mercy uses us as his dwelling place he uses us as acacias to make his dwelling place so that's one way that we see this fulfilled today what's another way that we can see it fulfilled today we see it by the acacias by sinful humans actually being taken and used by the holy spirit's water to be part of god's house well it's also what do we see in in joel chapter 3 the effect of this water well it's the producing of fruit of grapes and milk and of course if we look into the new testament what do we see that the spirit produces in his people it's fruit the fruit of the spirit of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness all these things that the spirit produces in his people if we want to know that this prophecy is being fulfilled today that the water of life the holy spirit is coming we look at the people of god and we see the fruit that is produced in them the fruit of the spirit But there's another way that we can also see it fulfilled today. We can see this prophecy fulfilled. And how is that? Well, it says God's house, his church, is a river of water of the Holy Spirit flowing to other sinful humans. It's interesting what we see in verse verse, uh, 18. It says, In that day the mountains will drip new wine and the hills will flow with milk. All the ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of Acacias. What is the function of the Lord's house? Well, for water to flow from us, if we are his house, to water other acacias. Not everybody has been taken to be part of God's house. There are many sinful acacias out there, living in dry and barren conditions. But as God, through Christ, sends the Holy Spirit with his word, through his church, acacias are watered. And as the gospel then goes out, as the... The scriptures go out to others. We see that they are watered just as we were watered many years ago for many of us who have believed. We have been added to God's house, but others have not. And so this is fulfilled. Joel chapter 3, as others are watered by the Holy Spirit today. Now, is this the only fulfillment that we see of Joel chapter 3 and Ezekiel 47? Well, there's other ways that we could look at it, of course. Uh, I've tried to look at the New Testament and look at the Lord Jesus and what he says about being a fountain of life and the Holy Spirit being that water of life. But there's another even greater fulfilment that is yet to come where this prophecy is fulfilled. And where is that? Well, it's in heaven. John, in the book of Revelation, talks in similar language that we see in Ezekiel 47 and we see in Joel chapter 3 of heaven itself. Turn with me now to Revelation chapter 21, to the end of your Bibles. And we'll look at verse 10 and following. Revelation chapter 21, which is found on page 1230, if you have a church Bible. Page 1230. Revelation chapter 21, and we'll read from verse 10. Of course, Revelation 21 describes uh, the the heavenly Jerusalem. Uh, No, sorry, verse, verse 20, chapter 21, verse... No, we won't read from verse 10. From verse 10 of chapter 21, we see a, a description of heaven, but we'll actually jump to uh, verse 22, uh, ch- verse 1 of chapter 22. Chapter 22, verse 1. Revelation 22, reading from verse 1, where we read, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing twelve crops of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and his servants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light and they will reign forever and ever. Here we see the same sort of language that we saw back in Ezekiel chapter 47 and we see in Joel chapter 3 of this river. And where's this river coming from? This water of life, where's it flowing from? It's flowing from the throne of God, from the Lord's house itself. And so one sense we are yet to see the fulfilment of Joel chapter 3 and Joel chapter, uh, Ezekiel 47 and Revelation 22 because it's yet to come in the heavenly glories that we are yet to see. One day the mountains will drip new wine and the, the hills will flow with milk. We will see that there is great blessing in heaven itself. Physical blessing, spiritual blessing will flow to his people and all flow from God himself. This is what we see again and again. It's God's presence at the end of the day. It's not that the temple of the Lord in, in itself is significant. The temple of the Lord is only significant because it's the Lord's temple. It's his house. A house is nothing without the Lord in it. It is the Lord's house. And that is what we see back in Joel chapter 3. It's emphasised again and again as we finish this book together. We see that there's this emphasis on the fact that it is the Lord who is present amongst his people. Look with me at Joel chapter 3 again, verse 17. It says, Then you will know that I, the Lord your God, dwell in Zion, my holy hill. And then if you look at verse 21... It says, the last words of the book of Joel altogether, the Lord dwells in Zion. Zion being a name for Jerusalem, the city of God. And so in one sense, we rejoice in the fact that God dwells in his people, but we long for that place where God's presence will be made even clearer to us, where we will see the Lord himself face to face in the incarnate Christ Jesus himself. So as we look at this this morning we can see a couple of different fulfillments, ways that Joel chapter 3 is fulfilled, the way that he fulfils it now by his church as people, sinful people are added to his church as they're watered by the spirit. We see it fulfilled in the way that fruit is produced. We see it in the way that the water of life channels through his church to other sinful humans. The question is what about you this morning? Is it fulfilled in you? You're an acacia. You're an acacia tree and you've lived in a barren world. You've lived in a barren world. Why? Because of your sin and the sin of those around you. But have you known what it is to be an acacia tree that drinks of the spirit of life as it flows from Christ by his word? Have you drunk of the spirit of life? How can you know? How can you know if you're an acacia that has drunk of the water of life. Well, have you been added to God's house and started to produce good fruit? Fruit that will last, the fruit of the Spirit. As you look at your life, can you see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self control, these fruit of the Spirit that are produced by the water of life? We saw in Joel chapter 3 that this water produces. Grapes and milk, is that what your life is characterised by? And as you look at your life, can you see yourself as one through whom the Holy Spirit flows to water other acacia plants? You want to know if you have life, if you've been added to God's house, if you're an acacia, in a valley of acacias that has been watered. Look at whether you produce fruit and look at whether you also Are used by God to bring life to others. Does God speak through you to those who are in barren and dry conditions? If you look at your life now and see that you're not producing fruit, that the water of life is not flowing through you to others, then you should drink now. Drink now. How do you do that? Well, you drink by faith. By faith. You drink in God's word by the Holy Spirit. And you drink it by faith. I mean, that's what Jesus said back in John chapter 7. John chapter 7, he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. It is by faith that we drink of the water of life, that we drink of the Holy Spirit, that we drink of the word, we trust in his word, We trust in Christ who is revealed in the word and then we have life through that faith. And then that spring of water will come up within and give you that life and produce fruit in your life and even bring life to those as he flows through us. But if you do not, if you do not trust in Christ, what will happen to you? What is the consequence? of staying in acacia that is unwatered, that continues to live in a dry and barren land and not produce fruit? Well, there's a warning given in Joel chapter 3. What does it say in Joel chapter 3, verse 19? But Egypt, a nation that is hostile to God, that is outside of God's people, will be desolate. Edom, another nation that is hostile to God's people, what will they be? A desert waste. Why? Because of violence done to the people of Judah in whose land they shed innocent blood. This will be your experience. That even the nourishment that you have will be taken away. It's interesting that he focus on Egypt there because of Egypt was known for having water, a source of water. What was the source of water in Egypt? It was their river. What's their river? The Nile. And it would flood the banks on a cyclical basis and water the land so that even we see Abraham and Jacob going down to Egypt when there was, uh, when there was a famine in the land because there was still food in Egypt but even what they have will be taken from them. And this is the warning that is given in scripture again and again, not just here in Joel chapter 3, that if you reject Christ, if you do not trust in him, even what you have will be taken from you and you'll be cast into a desert land, far worse than this world. You think you're in a barren and dry place now in this world with the sin of yourself and the sin of others. You think that you're in great distress now. Wait until you're put in that place of great desert, great desolation. What is that place? It is hell. The Bible is very clear. It warns about hell in that same book where it talks about heaven itself that we looked at in the book of Revelation. If you do not drink of Christ, you will be put in hell. Why? Well, Joel chapter 3 gives an example because of the violence done to the people of Judah in whose land they shed innocent blood. That's why the, the foreign nations were cursed, it's because of the way that they treated the people of God. And it's because of our sin that we deserve hell. And if you do not trust in Christ Jesus, then you will be put in that desolate place one day. But I encourage you, I encourage you, drink of God now. Drink of Christ Jesus. Drink of the Holy Spirit. Drink of his word by faith before it is too late, before you are in a desolate and a desert waste but if you have drunk from the fountain of life if you have drunk of the holy spirit what should you do what should we do who have drunk of the holy spirit who we have drunk of christ well we should keep on drinking keep on drinking by faith drink of his word again and again where do we drink of his word well it's from our bibles we drink of his word from our bibles it's wonderful that the word of god the scriptures themselves the spirit breathed word has been preserved over the centuries by christ's body the church mainly they've been the ones that continue to look after the scriptures of course under the hand of god they've been preserved for millennia so that we can drink of them today and have that life that they give and where else should we drink of the word of god well it's not just privately as we read our bibles but we should come to the the temple of the lord we should come to the body of christ we should come to the house of god where The water flows freely. And that's what you've done this morning in one sense. You've come to the temple of the Lord, not the building itself, but the people of God. As you come here and hear the word preached, as I've been up here talking about God's word, you have been drinking from the fountain of life by faith as you're believing these things that are taught to you from the scriptures. And what else should you do? You should continue to drink if you're a Christian, but you should also produce fruit through the water of the word. As you meditate upon God's word, you should be producing fruit. This is what the scripture teaches again and again. Even Psalm 1, classic psalm that opens the psalter and also is a good summary of the whole of the scriptures in one sense. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And so what is the result of him meditating upon God's word day and night? He lives like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. If you're not drinking from the word, how can you ever produce fruit? But if you are drinking from the word, look for that fruit, the fruit of the spirit produced in your life. And what else should you be doing if you're one who drinks of the water of life? Well, you should be that channel by which the spirit flows to others, to other acacia plants who live in a dry and barren land and do not know the water of life. So many around us are acacias, living in the valley of sin, the valley of acacias. And one day, where will they be? They'll be in hell. They'll be in that desert place, that desolate place. Unless what? Unless God waters them with people like you and me who have the spirit within us, who live in Christ and the water wells up within us for our eternal life but for the life of those around us. It's an immense privilege that the fountain of life is within us. And so we should embrace that privilege and water the lives of others. We should be that river of water flowing out to others so that they can also have life and be added to God's temple to be added as acacia hardwood to his temple where he dwells by his spirit. Won't you be that river of life to others that the Holy Spirit will flow from you? Won't you open your mouth and speak words of life to others and not simply keep them in to yourself? And if you do these things, if you keep on drinking of God's word, Privately, corporately, if you keep on producing fruit, if you are a river of water, of life for others, what does that mean? What will happen? You will really live, really live, enjoy life. You'll be carried with life eternal to heaven itself, thanking God and praising his name all the way for giving you life. You were once an acacia plant in a dry and barren land, but now... You are an acacia plant that has been added to his kingdom and produces fruit and gives life to many. And what does that then mean? You will experience great gladness, great joy, now and eternally. We opened our service this morning with Psalm 46. And what did it say in verse 4? There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells there is a river which makes glad the city of god that river makes us glad gives us joy as we rejoice in god himself and his presence amongst us so keep on drinking from the river and be glad as the lord dwells in you now and for eternity in heaven itself let's come before god in prayer let's speak with him now Heavenly Father, we praise you as the Lord of life. We thank you for sending the Spirit to water the earth with your word by the work of Christ Jesus. And we thank you that many of us have drunk from your fountain of life by faith, and so you now dwell in us. We ask that you would help us to keep on drinking and to produce fruit and to even water others with your word so that we rejoice with them in the eternal life that your Spirit brings. But Lord, if there is anyone here this morning who has never drunk of the Lord Jesus Christ, never drunk of your Holy Spirit, never drunk of your word, oh Lord, grant them faith now so that they drink of the Spirit from Christ and start to produce fruit and have eternal life and the joy that comes of knowing you. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.